podcast family. What is good? Hope everybody had a great weekend. Closing in on the end of January, almost one month down in the year. Man, crazy, crazy. It just flies by, flies by. All right, so today, today we're going to combine Fired Up for Monday and our show into one segment. Uh, so Fired Up for Monday, short little segment here, what I've kind of been thinking about recently, uh, and what inspired this, believe it or not, was a link in an email newsletter that I subscribed to that linked to a documentary about Mr. Rogers. Yes, that Mr. Rogers. And he said some things in there that it, you know, spliced clips of his show with, with an interview um, that he had done with Charlie Rose, I, I think sometime in the 90s. And he said a couple things that I think were kind of interesting. Uh, one being that what is essential is invisible to the eye. Which is kind of interesting. So what, what's essential to your life are, you know, the things that you cannot see that are invisible to the eye. And, you know, when I was thinking about that, I was, you know, like, well, what does that exactly mean? You know, things like purpose or fulfillment or love, you know, those things that are essential to us are really things that you can't see. I mean, they might be embodied in something that you see, but they're, those things in and of themselves are, are elements that are unseen to the eye. So let's, you know, think about that. Think about those those things that you can't see, but you know are essential to you. And think about them. Think about how you can incorporate that more into your life. And he said another thing that, you know, the, the world is so noisy. And he's saying this back in the 90s, so you know it's even worse now. Is to encourage people to have more quiet and more reflection in their lives. And, you know, I, I think he's right. I think it's important to take the time, you know, to have that form of quiet reflection, even if it's just for a couple minutes, five minutes, when you wake up in the morning or when you go to bed at night, uh, you know, to have that, to, to reflect on, you know, what you're doing or, where you've been, how far you come, what you want to do, you know, to have that time to reflect, to block out all the noise and really focus and reflect on what's going on in, in your life and in the world around you and how you might be able to affect that in, in some sort of way, right? So, uh, so yeah, get some quiet time in your life, you know, Sit and reflect, even if it's just for a few minutes. Take the time to do that. And then the last thing he said is uh, he was asked, you know, about how many people he's been able to reach through television and the kind of impact that he's been able to have on uh, on people and especially younger people because, you know, kids were who predominantly who watched Mr. Rogers. And he said, he said, I don't care how many people I've influenced, you know, the total number doesn't matter. You know, even if it was just one, that makes it all worth it. And I thought that was very, very interesting. You know, even if it's just one person that I've impacted, that's okay. 
you know, I think a lot of times, you know, you, you, you know, especially if you're starting something like, um, you know, whether it's a podcast or a YouTube show or writing a book or, you know, trying to do something that's going to impact your community. And I've thought about this many times, you know, you want to, obviously you want to impact the greatest amount of people. And, and sometimes that, you know, starts with just one person, you know, I mean, and, you know, and I always think about, you know, if one person gets something out of what I'm saying, then, then that's worth it. Um, obviously you want to reach the widest audience possible, but, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, if one per, if you can impact one person in a positive way, then that may, that'll make everything you do worth it. And that, that's kind of what he's saying. And then he also said, you know, kind of the importance of, you know, he's talking about the same kind of thing in the number of people that he was impacting and, Again, not caring about the numbers, and even if it's just one person, and, and he said that the important thing is being present in the moment with whoever whoever you're with, you know, whether that's, you know, the, the conversation that you're having right now, that's all that matters, that's what's important. So, so think about those things, you know, going forward as uh you know as you go through go through life you know think about what's essential that's invisible to the eye that might be able to help your life you know get some quiet in your life and and some quiet reflection and see how that could benefit you and then be present in the moment with whatever you're doing or whoever you're with and that and having, you know, trying to have an impact on that moment and that person and just see what you can do. So surprise source of wisdom. I know probably didn't, you know, think I pull uh, Mr. Rogers out of the hat there and I never thought I would either, but um, really gives you some good things to, uh, to think about. And it's a, uh, it's a short YouTube documentary. Um, I believe it's called Just the Way You Are. Uh it's about 15 minutes long, but a lot of good uh a lot of good stuff in there. So uh, you never know who you're gonna learn from. So uh yeah, get out there and learn. Put those things into practice. Okay. Now <clears throat> move from Mr. Rogers to our subject this week. We are going to go over, we're going to have a figure, a timeless, our timeless person of the week is, drumroll, Louis Zamperini. Now, uh, if any of you have read the book or seen the movie Unbroken, uh, Louis is the the subject of, uh, of that book and movie, um, his life story, um, and really a, a remarkable, it's a remarkable book, um, really a remarkable story and how I first heard of Louie was, um, through in when I was in college it wasn't actually even from reading the book I had found out who he was before I even read the book Unbroken and in uh in in college uh, my my junior year just as kind of the background of how I came across and known who Louis was because at the time I mean he had had the the book written about him but wasn't you know quite as popular a figure as he became once the book and the the movie came out, but, um, my junior year of college, uh, one of the classes that I took met once a week, uh, and always had a, uh, a guest speaker come in. So, uh, shout out to uh, professor Jeff Fellinser at USC. Awesome class. Um, and that's where I first was introduced to Louie. 
Um, I have a lot of cool speakers in that class, like uh, Keyshawn Johnson, Scott Boris, uh, among others. But Louis was the one who really, uh, I think, I would say probably, well, and I can only speak for myself, had the most profound impact for sure. And uh, and this is before I had even read the book, uh, Unbroken, like I said before. So, um, And so he brought Louis into class, and Louis would have been, so he passed away in 2014 when he was 97. So he would have been, I think, 94 at the time. And real, I mean, so we watched, we watched a short, you know, a documentary that CBS had produced before the 98 Olympics on Louis and his kind of ordeal, which we'll go into in a second. Um, and then he came out and what was really kind of striking, um, you could just he just radiated positivity and just upbeat. And at 94, just to have the, at at the time to have that kind of energy was really impactful and powerful. And, um, so if you don't know Louis story, you know, he was a, uh, he's from, from Southern California, um, went to college, ran track at USC, which is, which is why he was speaking in our, in our class. Um, and went to the 36 Olympics, um, I think ran the 5,000 meter and, uh, then, uh, went and and served in world war two and his plane was shot down over the, over the Pacific and, uh, spent, a, let's see. was stranded at sea, him and his crew, for, I don't remember the exact number of days, but it was 40, I think 40 plus 45 or so days missing at sea. And when they were found, they were found by the Japanese. And then he spent, so after this ordeal, you know, being lost at sea, you know, fighting off sharks and Japanese bombers and all these kinds of, these different kinds of things. Um, They're picked up by the Japanese and then spent years as a Japanese POW and just enduring just unbelievable hardship and torture and starvation and mental, mental torture, physical torture at the hands of the Japanese. And, uh, and then came, you know, was liberated at the end of the war. And, uh, so really, I mean, really, and, I won't go into all the details of everything that he went through um, because I want to talk about just a couple of specific aspects of Louis' story and of kind of how he lived his life. Um, But I encourage you to go get, if you haven't read it already, go get the book Unbroken because it is, it is beyond incredible. Um, A really incredible story. Just what he was able to endure and really I just, you know, a testament to the power of, of human spirit and will. And, uh, you know, kind of a lot of the things that, that we, we talk about or have talked about on the show, especially, uh, you know, the, the stoic principles that Marcus Aurelius laid out in meditations, <clears throat> Louis Zamperini without question, um, embodies all of those things. And, uh, but go read the book. 
definitely go read the book because then you you know you get the full scope of the story and uh really gets into the details of of what he went through and it it's pretty it's pretty incredible and and maybe at some point we'll go through and uh and do a book review of unbroken um that's not what i'm going to do here today um although i will quote uh unbroken by by Laura Hillenbrand uh i will quote it a little bit but i'm not going to uh do a full book review um but anyway so <clears throat> Uh, Louis came to speak in our class and, you know, had the opportunity to, I had a, a copy of Unbroken that my mom had sent me and I hadn't read it yet, but I, um, our professor, uh, said, if you want to have your book signed by Louis, uh, you know, drop it off. And so I left it with the with the professor and he and Louis signed the book. And what it's what he wrote in it, I think, is pretty cool. So it wasn't just he didn't just sign his name, um wrote to read, uh, and then he wrote B. Hardy and then signed Louis Zamparini. B. Hardy, H A R D Y. And I think that, you know, really kind of encompasses who he was. And if you look up the definition of Hardy is capable of enduring fatigue or hardship, sturdy and strong. And when you when you look at, at Louis and read his story and just listen to him talk, you know, he he embodies that like that word like if you looked up hardy in the dictionary they should have his picture next to it but i just think it's cool that he one that he you know signed it that way just be hardy and how you know to kind of live that example of just you know being able to <clears throat> endure really anything and i mean if if he can go what he went through we, everybody else, can be hardy and, you know, go through whatever trials and tribulations we might have. Um, and, you know, it's it's just a, it's a way of, it's just kind of a way of being, a way of living your life, being hardy. You know, fighting, having, embodying that fighting spirit, not letting the outside world get you down or, you know, letting outside circumstances dictate what, who you are or what, what you do, you know, you like, uh, like we talked about with Victor, Victor Frankl and like we talked about with Marcus Aurelius, you have the ability to choose your attitude and, and being hardy is, you know, that's that, that stoic principle of you can't control the world around you, but you can control your response to it is that's what being hardy is. And, uh, and one of the things Louis, Louis said in the, uh, in his talk with us, which is you know the one thing that I that has stuck with me that he said, and this you know goes along with all the things that we talk about. Is someone asked him about how to how to deal with stress or hardship or you know bad things coming in and out of your life. How did how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that stress, that external pressure, and his answer was, he said, the best way to combat stress is to not let it in in the first place. And now, granted, now when I first heard this, I, I didn't even know who Marcus Aurelius was, other than being the, the old guy in the beginning of The Godfather who gets killed by his son. Or excuse me, not The Godfather, Gladiator. 
Sorry, I got my movies mixed up there. Gladiator, not Godfather. Um, but I, I mean that you know that was my concept of Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> you know, like I, I never never read his book. I didn't know, you know, what he was all about. And but I remember that quote, and it and that you know just kind of that the you know the Stoic philosophy and. You know, if you want to sum it up, you know, it's like we talk about, you can't control the world around you, but you can't control your response to it. And, and Louis' quote that he said in that class, the best way to combat stress is to not let it in, in the first place. And it just embodies that to a T. And, you know, you have control of what you let in, you know, to your mind and what you can... You know, if you, if you don't want to be stressed, then very simple, don't let it in. You know, that's, you're controlling your response. And, and I think that's, you know, that's being hardy. You know, you might be going through a hardship or, or, you know, whatever, some kind of something that you're, you know, facing that you don't want to, but that's the way to beat it is to not let that event beat you you know, and not let that stress get into your mind in the first place. So that was that, that one quote really, that has stuck with me, uh, you know, to this day, almost, almost seven years later. Uh, and really just, just a great way to, to go about, to go about life. You know, just to be stress-free is is easier than you think. You know, that stress really a lot of times is self-induced. And if you want to get rid of it, tell it to get the hell out of there. You know, don't even let it in at the first place when it comes knocking at the door. So, um, and he, he embodied that for sure. You know, 100%. Did not, not let, you know, didn't let anything get him down and, 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 and if you read the book, you'll, you'll see, you know, there were times when he did, I mean, you know, there, you know, it, that being a POW, being lost at sea was not, certainly not easy. Um, probably harder than pretty, than most of us, anything most of us will have to go through, hopefully. And, you know, I, there were certainly times where I, I, it was, it was difficult for him and he had to dig within those, you know, the depths of himself to to get through you know what his ordeal and after you know after the war certainly not um an easy time for him he uh you know this what he went through in at sea and and especially at the POW camp stayed with him and would terrorize him. And, uh, you know, he was letting that kind of consume him and, and drove him to drinking and, uh, you know, made life, made life tough for him. And, you know, he, he responded to, you know, he kicked those demons out and stress. He, his, he met, uh, Billy Graham and turned to, uh, Turned to religion, uh, became a Christian, a very devout and very devout Christian, and you know, proceeded to forgive his his captors and kind of that was his way of you know kicking that stress out of his his life was through redemption and forgiveness. Um, you know, that was his way of doing it. Uh, I'm not saying that religion is the only way that you can combat the things. Uh, you know that ail you in your life, but that was his way. Um, you know, and it, and once he made that switch, you know, he really embodied that, uh, you know, not letting stress into his life and not letting him, not letting it bother him in the first place, you know, was the easiest way to combat it. He really, he really lived that and was always, you know, upbeat and positive.
So I'm going to read a few things here from, uh, from the book Unbroken. A few of my favorite... Uh, again, this is not going to be a very in-depth book review. Um, I'm just going to read a few passages that kind of pertain to what we're talking about here. So um, this first one is from, it's talking about his time in the Olympics. So he was at the 36 Olympics running the 5,000 meters in, uh, I believe those were in Munich or Berlin. One of those two. But anyway, um, he's in the finals for the Olympics and, you know, the race is not, he's not doing well. Um, And this is kind of describing his, you know, thoughts and feelings towards as the race is nearing, nearing its end. He was tired. The Finns, meaning from people, the competitors from Finland, were small and distant, much too far away to catch. He found himself thinking of Pete and of some, Pete is his brother, and of something that he had said as they had sat on their bed years earlier, a lifetime of glory is worth a moment of pain. Louis thought, let go. Nearing the finish line for the penultimate time, Louis fixed his eyes on the gleaming head of the pomaded competitor who was many runners ahead. He began a dramatic acceleration around the turn and down the backstretch. Louis kicked his legs reaching and pushing, his cleats biting the track, his speed dazzling. One by one, runners came up ahead and faded away behind. All I had, Louis would say, I gave it. And he ended up uh, setting a record for the... F he, he didn't win the race, but he set a record for the fastest lap, like fastest single lap in the, um, the 5,000 meters. So... Um, but I, I, I love the quote from the book, a lifetime of glory is worth a moment of pain. And, you know, I think that's something that's worth thinking about and good to think about, you know, if you're going through, and it doesn't have to just be in an athletic endeavor, you know, it could be in, in business or in a relationship, or if you're trying to, you know, create a product you know, write a book, do some, doing something creative, whatever it is, you know, when you might be at a sticking point, you know, you can't get the words to be on the page, you know, and it's, it's driving you nuts. It's crazy. It's a painful moment, but you know, don't, the whole point of that quote is don't give in to being tired, to being in pain, to not thinking you can get the job done. Don't give in to that temptation. You know, don't let that, you know, he talks about the best way to combat stress is not let it in the first place. Don't let it in. Think about what your overall goal is when, you know, when the shit hits the fan or, or when the when the time gets tough. Think about that. A lifetime of glory is worth a moment of pain. You know, and fight through that. Fight through the writer's block. F fight through the, you know, the failed sales calls or sales presentations or whatever it is. Fight through the, if you're an athlete, you know, the pain of training. whatever pain you might be in, 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 in a game or a match or on the mat, in the field, whatever it is, wherever you are, whatever is at the finish line will probably be worth it to you to make sure, or once you go through that, that moment. So remember, so just fight through it. A lifetime of glory is worth a moment of pain. 
All right, so next, next piece. So a big part of his story, Louis' story, is the concept of redemption. And, you know, him that kind of coming out of the troubles and the the pains, the post-traumatic stress of what he went through in the war and kind of redeeming himself as a new person. And like I said before, his way of doing that was through, was through religion. Um, you know, he, he went to a Billy Graham, uh, seminar and, and found religion and be, became, um, you know, a devout Christian. And that was his way of doing it. Um, and this passage here kind of illustrates, you know, his kind of finding that peace. Again, he found it through religion of kind of getting rid of those demons and the troubles and the stresses that ailed him and, and breaking through. So, and this is from uh, this is from Unbroken. Resting in the shade and the stillness, Louis felt profound peace. When he thought of his history, what resonated with him now was not all that he had suffered, but the divine love that he believed had intervened to save him. He was not the worthless, broken, forsaken man that the bird had striven to make <clears throat> to make of him. In a single silent moment, his rage his fear, his humiliation and helplessness had fallen away. That morning, he believed, was a new cre he was a new creation. And the bird was a uh, a guard at the uh <clears throat> a Japanese guard at the POW camp that he was at, Louis was at, who was kind of his supreme tormentor. And uh we'll get we'll we'll go more into that <clears throat> with the next uh passage, but this, you know, this is kind of signaling his kind of rebirth. And, you know, he found, he found this through religion, you know, becoming a devout Christian, like I've said many times. And that's not the only way, and that is, it's a way that works for a lot of people. That's not the only way to kind of find this awakening. But the, the concept of what's read in this passage I think is really critical and what's really great. And, um, you know, he's saying, you know, he's kind of thinking back, you know, on his life and, and saying that, you know, he, he feels this, there's this, you know, divine force that's intervening to save him. And he's not this, you know, a worthless, broken man, that this guard, the bird, had tried to make him, and who kept, you know, even after the war, recurring in his, uh, you know, in his dreams, his nightmares, kept recurring in his life, and, you know, as if he was trying to still break him, even though they weren't together anymore. And, but this... You know, he's talking about leaving all that behind. And in that one single moment, you know, he, everything that was ailing him, rage, that's an ailment, fear, that's an ailment, humiliation and helplessness, those are ailments, just went away, completely went away. And he was, you know, he was a new person. And, you know, the, the, the point is, however you go about doing that, whether it's through religion or otherwise, if you, any, if you have things that can, that are ailing you in your life, and it doesn't just have to be a sickness or disease, you know, it can be something like rage or fear or, you know, a feeling of helplessness or fear of humiliation, you can, you can break away from those things. 
All right, so next, next piece. So a big part of his story, Louis' story, is the concept of redemption. And, you know, him that kind of coming out of the troubles and the the pains, the post-traumatic stress of what he went through in the war and kind of redeeming himself as a new person. And like I said before, his way of doing that was through, was through religion. Um, you know, he, he went to a Billy Graham, uh, seminar and, and found religion and be, became, um, you know, a devout Christian. And that was his way of doing it. Um, and this passage here kind of illustrates, you know, his kind of finding that peace. Again, he found it through religion of kind of getting rid of those demons and the troubles and the stresses that ailed him and, and breaking through. So, and this is from uh, this is from Unbroken. Resting in the shade and the stillness, Louis felt profound peace. When he thought of his history, what resonated with him now was not all that he had suffered, but the divine love that he believed had intervened to save him. He was not the worthless, broken, forsaken man that the bird had striven to make <clears throat> to make of him. In a single silent moment, his rage his fear, his humiliation and helplessness had fallen away. That morning, he believed, was a new cre he was a new creation. And the bird was a uh, a guard at the uh <clears throat> a Japanese guard at the POW camp that he was at, Louis was at, who was kind of his supreme tormentor. And uh we'll get we'll we'll go more into that <clears throat> with the next uh passage, but this, you know, this is kind of signaling his kind of rebirth. And, you know, he found, he found this through religion, you know, becoming a devout Christian, like I've said many times. And that's not the only way, and that is, it's a way that works for a lot of people. That's not the only way to kind of find this awakening. But the, the concept of what's read in this passage I think is really critical and what's really great. And, um, you know, he's saying, you know, he's kind of thinking back, you know, on his life and, and saying that, you know, he, he feels this, there's this, you know, divine force that's intervening to save him. And he's not this, you know, a worthless, broken man that this guard, the bird, had tried to make him, and who kept, you know, even after the war, recurring in his, uh, you know, in his dreams, his nightmares, kept recurring in his life, and, you know, as if he was trying to still break him, even though they weren't together anymore. And, but this... You know, he's talking about leaving all that behind. And in that one single moment, you know, he, everything that was ailing him, rage, that's an ailment, fear, that's an ailment, humiliation and helplessness, those are ailments, just went away, completely went away. And he was, you know, he was a new person. And, you know, the, the, the point is, however you go about doing that, whether it's through religion or otherwise, if you, any, if you have things that can, that are ailing you in your life, and it doesn't just have to be a sickness or disease, you know, it can be something like rage or fear or, you know, a feeling of helplessness or fear of humiliation. You can, you can break away from those things. 
And it all starts with with your mindset and changing that. You know, changing the story that you tell yourself, you know, leaving all that behind and and coming out of of that adversity as a new creation. And and Louis, you know, 100% when you read the book you'll see it. Uh and they show more of this aspect of his life in the in the book than they do in the movie, if I remember correctly. It's been a while since I've seen the movie, but uh, you know, he left all that behind in that one moment and and kind of created himself in a a new way, reimagined himself, redeemed himself, and you know, became became the guy that that I saw when he came to speak to my class, the guy who, you know, who, who never let anything get him down and never let, uh, never let stress in. Right. So, all right, next piece. And this is, this will be the last kind of topic <clears throat> when we, uh, referring to, uh, to Louis. So another major theme, you know, and this is kind of part of his redemption, uh, towards the end of the book is, the concept of forgiveness, which, which is, you know, it's a big thing. And, and, and Louis was a devout Christian. You know, that's a big theme. It's a concept of forgiveness. And Louis, after the war, um, I think he actually went back as early as 1950. He went back to Japan which is only five years after the war ended, so not, not very long. Um, and he went back to, uh, and met with, and went to a, or went to a Japanese prison where uh, a lot of war criminals, you know, and prison guards were held. A lot of them who, uh, who Louis knew and were, you know, tormentors of his at the camp. Um, and he forgave them. He met, he met every single one of them and, and forgave them. And, you know, this, this, so that's a, that was a big part of, and I think part of, you know, recreating himself and redeeming himself, not as this person who was defined by his past and his experiences in the war, but, you know, reinventing himself as, you know, erasing that and, and forgiving the people who had tormented him. Um, is a big was a big part of Louis's life and Louis's message, and one that I think is really key and really important to kind of look at because if anyone had any reason to be angry, you know it, it would it would be Louis for for what he went through in those prison camps, and uh, and 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 for a time he was, but you know I think he saw how that <clears throat> was destroying him, and and learned to to move past that. And, and that included the, the bird. So in the book, the bird, and, and he's in the movie also, is, was one of the a main Japanese prison guard. And he was kind of a, he was a main tormentor for Louis and, and signaled Louis out because he knew they somehow found out that Louis was an Olympian and without a doubt singled him out, you know, I mean, just terrible mental torture, physical torture. Um, yeah, I know the one they showed in the movie was where he had to, uh, hold a log above his head for hours on end. And that probably wasn't even the worst thing that, uh, that he had to endure, but, um, the bird, so the bird was his main tormentor and, and continued after, even after the war to haunt, to haunt Louis. And he even eventually brought himself to forgive the bird. Um, even he even wrote him a letter. He wanted to meet with the bird to uh, to tell him that he forgave him for what had happened. Uh, although the bird didn't reciprocate, he didn't want to meet and never answered Louis's letter. But he was willing to forgive him. 
And so this next passage that I'm going to read is in 1950 when Louis went back to Japan, uh, he was told incorrectly, as it turns out, uh, the bird was alive. He managed to evade capture and uh, lived kind of out on the lamb for 50-some years. He eventually resurfaced. I think he died in 2003. Uh, but at, but when Louis went to Japan in, uh, in 1950, uh, he was told that the bird had died. And so um, this is what... Uh, This is what Louis had to say. This is were his thoughts when he was told that the bird was dead. In Sugamo prison, as he was told of Watanabe's fate, all Louis saw was a lost person, a life now beyond redemption. He felt something that he had never felt for his captor before. With a shiver of amazement, he realized that it was redemption. At that moment, or excuse me, he realized that it was compassion. At that moment, something shifted sweetly inside him. It was forgiveness, beautiful and effortless and complete. For Louis Zamperini, the war was over. And then it goes to talk on about, or go on to talk about how he, uh, you know, he met with some of the other guards and, and forgave them as well. But I just want to go over that passage there because, <clears throat> and I apologize for messing up that, uh, the paragraph there. But, you know, he feels, and, and this, in if you go back to meditations, I don't remember the exact quote, but there's, you know, a concept of feeling compassion for, you know, people that have wronged you because they don't know the proper way. And that's, I mean, what, what Louis is talking about here could not embody that more perfectly. I mean, this is a guy who caused so much physical and psychological pain and suffering for him. I mean, he was his ultimate tormentor, the bird. And he, when he hears that he's dead, that he has died, even though it's in, incorrect, he turns out to be alive, but when he finds out that he's dead, his feeling is compassion. Like he, he feels sorry for this man who's lost, who's can't redeem himself. His, his life is beyond redemption. And he feels compassion for him because he knows he himself, you know, he's, he was able to redeem his life for the things that, that he, you know, from the things that he went through during the war and the bird doesn't have that option. He feels compassion for someone who was just brutal to him in every which way. Which is is really, I mean, when you think about it, is really an incredible thing, right? And if, you know, try to, no matter how difficult it may be, if you have, you know, those kinds of grudges or things that you're holding on to where people have wronged you in the past. You know, try to try to see it in that way. See if you can. And you may not be able to, and, and that's totally okay. But, you know, if, if Louis can feel, you know, compassion and forgive the bird, you know, I, I think we can do the same thing in our lives with, <clears throat> with anyone who may have wronged us. So that is where we will end it with, uh, with Louis Zamperini, uh, a really remarkable, remarkable story, a remarkable man. Um, I, I, I still remember, you know, sitting there listening to him and being amazed by his story, but, but more, more amazed by his attitude, you know, and how he just, radiated positivity and uh and just you know he wouldn't let anything get him down and 
that I think was, you know, it was definitely was the most striking. I mean, just, just the way he, the way he carried himself. And, and, you know, when you, when you read his whole story, I mean, it, it's incredible one that he was able to endure the things that he did, uh, being lost at sea and then being a, a, in a prisoner of war camp. But then two to afterwards to get rid of those demons within him that from the war that still tormented him to just in an instant leave those behind and feel reborn as a new person and uh and then to forgive his captors you know i i is is really remarkable you know a, a remarkable way to to look at the world and uh you know i think we all can learn 100% you know from uh from reading Louis's story and and more importantly not just reading his story but seeing how he lived his life and then trying to go and implement uh you know those strategies ourselves so you know i'll i'll say it again the the quote that stuck with me most from that from his uh, lecture was the best way to combat stress is to not let it in in the first place and uh you know i i think they're uh no better advice than that. So um, that is all we got for this episode. But go out and go out and grab the book Unbroken from your library or Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookstore, whatever. Um, I encourage you to go get it. It's it's a really incredible story. Um, and, and and to go to watch if you could find on YouTube, watch the feature of. Uh, that CBS Sports did before the 98 Winter Olympics about Louie. It's, it's, it's pretty good. And they actually interview the bird in there. Um, but it's a really good piece. So, um, But yeah, I encourage you to go read the book. It's, it's really fantastic, and uh, you will learn a lot from it. Louie was an amazing guy. Um, his, his spirit definitely still lives on 100%. And I, I'm very, uh, very grateful that I was able to... Uh, to be able to sit in that classroom and and listen to him talk um, about his experiences and about his life because he he's really an, really an incredible guy and and embodies you know a lot of these the principles that we've we've talked about um, especially in what we talked about in meditations and in uh, in man's search for meaning um, you know Louis embodies all that so great great guy and. Uh, Yeah, go out and get the book. Learn. Make yourself better. All right. That is all I got for today. Podcast family, I love you. Thank you for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Everybody have a great week. Bye now.